What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draft Act NBA podcast. I know you guys are usually uh, used to Corey uh, leading this intro part of it, but uh, Corey's not here today. Corey's busy doing important business stuff or whatever uh, for No Ceilings NBA. But I'm here today with a really special guest. We're here with Jalen Williams, the junior wing from Santa Clara University, the Broncos, which is always a really dope name. Uh, but uh, Jalen Williams of the West Coast Conference, we're Really excited, excited to have you on, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me. <laughs> so for, you know, I'm sure you're doing, we talked about it even before we started recording, but you're doing a lot of these interviews right now. I'm sure you're working out with teams. You're talking to front offices. You're doing all kinds of stuff. But what I wanted to do today was maybe get you to talk about some stuff that maybe you're not talking as much about. But hey, before we get into everything else, I did want to say congrats on the Green Room invite. That's awesome man that's got that's got to feel pretty dope yeah it was you know a lot of that like stuff in that realm was like unexpected so you know regardless of what or how well you do you know you kind of just never know so to you know get my name chosen was pretty pretty cool moment <laughs> hey what what is that experience like though like I, I i tried to imagine like look i'm i'm 32 years old i'm a korean dude i'm not gonna sniff the league ever right but i tried to imagine what that's like like you're just at home and someone gives you a call and they're like yeah the uh the nba wants you to be at the green room what was that experience like when you got the call um yeah so originally it was a text because i was going through the airport so i got a text from uh, my agents and they were just like congrats and you know i'm like you know, getting yelled at by TSA to move my bag. <laughs> so I'm just looking at congrats on my phone. And then mm-hmm. I finally get through baggage. I have like three missed calls. I call everybody back. And they're like, oh, congrats. Like you got invited to the green room. And then obviously I opened up Instagram and people on Instagram knew before I did. So right. you, know how that, you know how that goes. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. It was a really cool moment. I'm happy that they were able to tell me and not, I didn't find out on Twitter or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that sounds pretty cool, man. And obviously, you're currently in the middle of the draft process. You're working out for teams, and there's a lot going on. So, kind of where I wanted to start today was I read the uh, the CBS piece by Matt Norlander. I thought that was a really awesome piece, kind of tracking your journey and how you're here now, right? You're you've been invited to the green room. You're a potential first round pick. You know, I, I actually texted this to you about a week ago, but I think I think you easily easily can go in the lottery, and I think that'd be fantastic for you, right? But Something that I thought that was really interesting about the piece that Matt was talking about was kind of like the military background that you grew up in. Obviously, your father served uh, in the military. And I, look, as a Knicks fan, not not that you would know that, but as a Knicks fan, I remember even just a couple of years ago when we were, you know, looking at Kevin Knox in the draft and they talked a lot about, you know, his upbringing and his dad being really tough on him and kind of helping him like get shaped into the player that he was wanted to ask you about your background what that was like growing up in a military household um were your parents super strict what was that experience like for you and how has that kind of molded you into the man that you are now um yeah so yeah like you said both parents served so that's kind of already like a unique situation but um I mean I have really cool parents at the same time (laughs) I think I think that's kind of like the big thing like you know military kind of associated with strict and I feel like they were just strict on a lot of like normal stuff, like, you know, okay. like be clean, you know, get good grades, kind of do that whole thing. Like it wasn't anything to, I think the craziest thing for me was to make your bed <laughs> kind of like, you know, and that was like something that I would actually like, get in trouble for. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. I would call all the friends and my bed wouldn't be made. And they would be like, hey, like come home, like and make your right. bed. Like <laughs> so that for me is probably the wildest kind of 
uh-huh. I guess, strict thing they did. But everything else just kind of was like more like learn how to like live if they were kind of big on being able to like survive on your own if like they weren't there. So like I learned how to cook wow. and, you know, just things like that. So that was that was more big on my kind of upbringing with them. But obviously, like I said, now like I'm pretty self-sufficient, you know, living on my own wasn't an adjustment. And, you know, I thank them for that opportunity to be able to grow up in that. So got it. So essentially what you're saying, it was pretty basic upbringing, nothing too yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's fair what you're saying. I think a lot of times people just associate, right? Like, oh, you got military parents and they're not going to let you out the house after 6 p.m. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but no. it doesn't they, seem like were, that was your experience at all. Yeah, no, they were chill for sure. They, they had their moments, <laughs> but everything else was, I had, I had a smooth upbringing for sure. Right, right. No, that's awesome, man. And that's great to hear. And I think, you know, obviously the piece did a great, beautiful job of talking about like the accountability piece and all that stuff and you getting shaped into who you are. So I, that sounds great. And I think that that was a good place that I wanted to start just because I thought it was a really interesting article. Um, where I want to go next is obviously I have never experienced anything, don't know much about it, but Wanted to ask about the draft process because even in that article, and I've seen you give different interviews all over the place, but it feels like right now, I think one of the quotes was like, it's kind of like a whirlwind for you. You know, all this kind of came out of nowhere and not out of nowhere. I think all of it is deserved, but I think you're meeting with teams, you're going to dinners, you're doing meetings, you're doing workouts and stuff like that. So the first question that I wanted to ask in terms of the process was as you're meeting these teams, as you're going to these workouts and you're going from city to city, What's been the biggest surprise for you that you didn't expect about the whole pre-draft process? I think, like you said, it's just, yeah, like a whirlwind is like a perfectly like way to put it. And then just kind of going into it, like I kind of figured that, you know, I had put in a lot of work to be able to get to where I'm at, but you just, you just don't know. I think that's been the mm-hmm. biggest kind of thing. It's just a lot of not knowing. Right. Uncertainty. Um, you know, you can go through, however many workouts they do, five workouts, they can all be perfect. It's still just the uncertainty of not knowing where you'll get picked up. And a lot of teams, obviously, you know, you're picking up based on fit. So I think just going through the whole thing and not really knowing a lot and kind of going through that has been the most, like, kind of like the hardest part. I, I would mm-hmm. say the hardest part, but at the same time, it's, you know, control what you can control. But that, For sure. not knowing is, you know, you fly different cities, you just don't, like, you just don't know what what's really going to go on. Yeah. No, I, I think like in a very real way, it's got to feel like going to a bunch of job interviews, right? Like you're just going to different companies and you're meeting different bosses and they're like, hey, so uh, tell me your strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that, you know, and you're just kind of, but I, I think it's fantastic. And obviously, you know, for you, we can say, I think a big turning point for you is definitely the combine. So what was wondering, as you were there in the moment, you're going through the testing you're talking to teams, you're playing in the games. What was that experience for you overall? Was it like this like self-validating, like, yeah, I'm here, I'm awesome, I'm showing everybody my game? What 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 exactly was going through your mind and what were you feeling during that time? Um, I was motivated. Um, a lot of me going into the draft, uh I had a lot of doubt just from the sense of everybody, you know, I'm at a small school, so everybody was kind of like how legit are his numbers and you know, you kind of look at our hectic season in the middle of my years, my sophomore year, and everybody's right. kind of like, should we do another year? So for me, it was just kind of going out there and proving everybody wrong. Um, so, yeah, I was just super motivated and excited to kind of go out there and, and play against everybody and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of show everybody what I had been working on for, you know, eight weeks. And then just basically my whole life kind of leading up to that. And yeah. 
being able to showcase that. So that was that was kind of my mentality to go into it. Mm-hmm. And and for sure, dude. Honestly, like you showed out. You played great in the games. Um, you tested like fantastically, right? I think you had like the fifth best vertical. I know you tested at like thirty nine inches, your max vert, which was awesome. You, everyone was talking about your wingspan, like the the storm that we got on to, on draft Twitter about your wingspan and that difference was pretty awesome. But I'm I'm sure I'm sure it felt awesome and for you to be there and to be able to talk to teams. Were, were teams giving you some feedback when you were there and telling you like, hey man, like we didn't see this coming or stuff like that? Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, tell me direct, but you can just kind of tell people's body language and their faces <laughs> like, you know, oh, he's kind of for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got that a lot because obviously like, we're doing interviews while we're playing too. So, right. you know, you play one day and then you go interview with the team the following morning. So kind of going through that whole process, everybody's kind of like, you know, if you were on their radar now, I'm really on their radar and now they're kind of looking out for me. So it was just, it was cool to watch momentum kind of shift. Yeah, I I can't even imagine that. That's got to feel so awesome. Like you said, coming from a smaller school and to just be able to show out and be like, all right, 30 NBA teams, I'm here and I'm going to kick ass and be awesome. So that's got to be amazing. Um, The next question that I wanted to ask is now you're working out with teams, you're at these workouts and you're probably competing against a lot lot of prospects, other prospects that you've probably played against for years, you know? So something that I was really curious about was as you're walking into these team facilities and you're going against these guys that you've probably seen before on the AAU circuit or otherwise, what's your mentality coming into these workouts? Is it like, I'm here, I'm just going to kill everybody. Or is it more of just like, Hey, like everybody eats, you know, like I want to play well, you should play well, we should all show out. Was just wondering kind of where your head is at as you enter into these workouts for different teams. Uh, yeah, both of those, you know, you want to come in there and kill everybody. <laughs> Me and my dad literally say that exact quote. We all, he like text me before I work out, kill everyone. Yeah. Um, obviously, figuratively. For everybody kind of <laughs> watching and listening and figuratively kill everybody. <laughs> but um, my biggest thing is just going in there and competing. Uh, everybody now kind of already knows how I play and has watched me play. So, you know, they're not going to base, obviously, your workout and how you shot at the workout or the turnover you made at the workout define right. years for me, mm-hmm. how I've been playing for three years. So, yeah, just going in there and competing and at the same time, you know, you want everybody to eat too. Like for me, a big draw is being able to play make. So I want to watch other guys get shots and I want to prove that I can play off of people and play with people too. So, right. you know, some of them obviously like uh, I didn't work out with Ty Ty or Dale and Terry, but, you know, kind of growing up with them, like I want them to do well. I got guys in my agency, you know, we're competing against each other and it's, it's obviously fun to go at each other and no pull punches, but you know, at the same time you hear them and they're like, Oh, I did well in this workout. It's like, awesome. Like, you know, you want to see other people. Right. Well, so. No, for sure. Like I, I can't even imagine what that's like because ultimately all of you guys are pursuing the same dream, right? Making the NBA, but at the same time, it's, it's a sport, you know? So it's, it's that weird dynamic where it's, I've got to compete and I've got to show out, but at the same time, we're all running for the same goal. So it's awesome if we all make it right. So I think that's I think that's actually really, really cool. Something that I wanted to ask about, like the actual workouts that you're doing. I mean, you're going city to city. You're meeting these different teams. I'm wondering, are these workouts generally kind of the same? Like you guys are just running three on threes or because the reason why I ask is because Anthony Edwards just did an interview recently and he was talking about how he went to the Warriors and they had this this exercise where he's going back and shooting stuff like What's been your experience like at all these different uh, team workouts? Have they been similar or what's that been? Well, he's definitely not lying about the Warriors workout. Oh, 
yeah, that, that okay. definitely happened. But um, yeah, for the most, everybody does like three on three and stuff. Hmm. Um, that's just a given. Uh, everybody kind of works out with six people in it, so you kind of have to. A lot of one on one situational stuff. Um, right. Yeah, and then obviously everybody has different drills. That that's just you know the name of the game, the name of the sport. Everybody's gonna have something kind of different that that stands out. But everything for the most part, a lot of one on one. And then just compete three on three and then everybody's gonna have some type of drill where you're gonna kind of get tired and other places might not and but yeah three on three and one-on-one and just going at each other is definitely like a consistent thing going into it and that usually takes up the majority of the workout but obviously some people like anthony edwards will have a one-on-one workout you know where you're by yourself so those drills might be a little different so actually, so I wanted to ask, was there a workout that you went through that really stuck with you? Like for Edwards, he's never going to forget that one, right? So was there a team workout that was like really challenging or that you're going to kind of just always remember? Um, yeah, too. And not even from the, the same reason as him, just Clippers was my first one. Okay. So obviously that's the intro into like, you know, yeah. this is real. Like you're walking in, Jerry West is watching you shoot. Wow. So, you know, so that, that, that'll always stick out to me. Um, just from that standpoint, really doesn't have anything to do with workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, never forget your first. <laughs> yeah, and then just going through like Memphis was like my first time going two in a row back to back. So kind of remembering how much I flew into and how tired I was going into that, and then going into the workout and performing, and then being like, okay, yeah, you did really well, and then you handled that well, and now you got another one. So that was those two would definitely stick out. Got it. I, and and I do want to say like we we've been texting before too, but I. I don't even know how you're doing this at this point. That seems crazy to just be like the traveling plus the working out. And then of course, like you're training on your own too. Right. So I, I can't even imagine how you're juggling all that. Can you actually talk about that? Like, how do you juggle all that while maintaining like energy and like trying to be at your very best with these teams? What's that experience even like? It's hard. Uh, I kind of got lucky. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it is hard. Like it really yeah there's really no way of like sugarcoating it. It's a lot for everybody. Um, you know, one year, like I say, you know, you're in one city to the next. And I, you know, I was in however many cities in a short amount of days. I think it was like, it might've been four cities in seven days at one point. So going through that, that whole process is just like, obviously it's a lot mentally draining, but I was lucky enough to be able to go back to school Mm. in between like a couple days where I didn't have a workout and you know to rehab and stuff so I was feeling pretty fresh throughout the whole entire process but you know like stuff always goes wrong like I I got to this first workout and of course Dallas is delayed and I missed a couple flights so I ended up getting in the hotel at 2 a.m and then the workout starts at 7 so you know little stuff like that and I was already I came from a workout to go to the Spurs one so just you know, less than 24 hours, it gets super hectic, but yeah, it's also fun at the same time. Like you really only get to do it once. So for sure, for sure. And you know, I, I imagine it's like, you kind of tap into like when you were a little kid, right? Like now, like you're talking about real NBA teams, like, oh, I'm going to work out for the Spurs tomorrow. I'm going to the Mavericks after that. Like I, yeah. I can't even imagine like, that's got to be a dream come true, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It's like, like I said, like shooting in front of the logo was like, right. It's just going to be ingrained in my brain forever. And then, like, I sat down with Greg Popovich, and he he was at our workout. So it's just, wow. you know, like, I see you on TV. Like, I grew up watching you win rings. Right. To, like, my favorite player, Kobe. So, like, I watched him coach against Kobe. And then, you know, you got guys filtering in and out as well during our workouts. Like, I went to Golden State right before, maybe two days before their uh, 
their first game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're watching Steph and Draymond. Draymond's yelling and running around <laughs> our workout and high-fiving us and clapping. And then you got Clay and Steve Kerr up in the thing. So just a bunch of different emotions going through this whole process. That's that's just unbelievable, man. Honestly, for me, just like as a fan, to hear just the process, it, it obviously sounds grueling. So respect to you for making it this far. But that just sounds like a dream. So that yeah. that's amazing. Um, I did want to talk about the, uh, the Schmitz, the Mike Schmitz interview that you did for ESPN, because for me, watching that interview, like really just kind of cemented for me how I felt about you as a prospect, because it, I just thought that the interview you gave was so good. Like it was such a cerebral, interesting interview that you gave with Mike. And the, the thing that stuck out to me, and I know you've talked about this a bunch already, but what you, you mentioned how a lot of your game has been influenced by the fact that you were shorter for most of your life. And then you kind of had that sudden growth spurt. And something that I wanted to ask is, do you feel like you're still adjusting to your new frame slash like athleticism? And the reason why I, I asked that is because Honestly, you go online, you go on different websites, and some of the critiques that I've read is that I I think some evaluators, they feel like they haven't seen that same athleticism in games, like in your tape. So when I thought about it, I was like, I wonder, is it because you're still adjusting to your body and things like that was kind of my question. Uh, I would say, yeah, maybe unconsciously. Um, Okay. You know, just from the standpoint of you, you go so long being one way, and then mm. for me to have a switch where everything falls into place at the same time, like I finished growing, I put on weight, I'm faster, I can jump higher now, right. I'm putting on a lot more muscle, I'm eating more. So, you know, learning my body, like my wingspan got longer, like my shoe right. size going up, my hands are bigger. Yeah, like, so, you know, like I went from like not being able to like, people don't even know this, like in going into my freshman year of college, I couldn't palm the ball. Wow. So I'm going from that, you know, shooting and going from that adjustment to now it's like, okay, well now somebody throws you a pass, I can catch it with one hand and kind of go through that. But at the same time, I just, I took a lot of what I did when I was younger and was just like, this is a really effective way to play no matter what the height is. Cause, and I think Mm -hmm. that's where my efficiency has kind of come from. Just playing really smart and understanding the game that way. And then like I've proved at certain points, even at the combine, just going through, like if there's a time where I need to be athletic, I can make that play right? and stuff like that. But I just think from a longevity standpoint, like not always trying to run and jump over people and, you know, sure. the whole thing just adds more value to you later no, on. No, for, sh- for sure. For sure. I mean, something that we talk about on this pod all the time is if you watch the elite scorers in this league, I mean, you have to have the in-between game. You need the mid-range pull-up. You need the floater. You need to be able to take it all the way to the rim at times and, you know, take contact and all these different things. And I think for you watching your game, I think some of the crafty finishes that you had with either hand, different angles, especially like even the way that you would, like if if you're coming off a screen, the way that you would manipulate the pick and roll, the way that you'd keep your man on your hip, the different reads that you're making out of that stuff. I think everything that you're talking about, this is high level NBA offensive stuff, you know? So I think if once you start integrating more of that athleticism, I think we're talking about the sky's the limit. And to be honest, as you were talking about, like, you, you know, you said like you could suddenly palm the ball and stuff like that. I immediately thought of like Peter Parker when he gets bit by the spider. Yeah, and he like, wakes up. Like, super, like, yeah, like su- almost like superpowers, you know what I'm saying? And then like, yeah, yeah just like you said, like as, as the game gets over, I, 
like I think through me testing and people actually seeing me like I know that I have a lot of athletic ability there but it's just certain times where I you know you just don't use it and then obviously I will need it for the NBA which in my head I'm translating okay well yeah I'll use it then so <laughs> kind of going through that but you know everybody has their own opinion online yeah no for sure no I totally get that and I think the the, the funny thing <laughs> is like development and progress is never linear. Like we talk about that all the time. And I think with what you're talking about, right, with all the skills that you've been working on because of what your body was before, I think it's really kind of setting you up to be kind of a monster on the next level because you now have legit NBA level athleticism. And so with that being said, a lot of times online, you'll go on different websites and they'll give different comps to players and say like, oh, he's like him, he's like that. I famously love to... um comp players to like 90s guys because i'm a little bit older and that that was kind of like my era but what i I wanted to ask you is i don't want to ask you to comp yourself to another player but wanted to talk about what do you think are your marquee or like headline skills of of your game that you think is going to translate really well to the next level that might make an evaluator or a scout think of a, a certain nba player so what are those skills for you i think feel is uh kind of a big one for me just because, you know, you get to the, the NBA and there's a certain point of athleticism and, you know, strength and just overall physical tools that you need that I think I have. Right. But, um, yeah, just like feel and just playmaking ability. And I say that even on both ends of the floor. Just, you know, kind of understanding rotations and, mm-hmm. you know, knowing where to be offensively and defensively, I think, are, are going to be my kind of chain, like, key factors kind of going into it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Like, I, I think something that, uh, look, I, I, there may not be like a ton out there, but I think one of the underappreciated or underestimated aspects of your game, I think everyone says Jalen Williams and they talk about your offense, right? I think defensively too, there was so much to like after watching your tape. And I didn't get to write a ton about it in uh, my article about you, but if you could talk a little bit about your de- the defensive side of the game, because I think everyone talks about your handle, the playmaking, the shooting, right? There was a huge jump in your shooting this past season, right from three, but defensively, what do you think some of your strengths are other than, you know, the feel part of it? Um, I think just, I was able to really use a lot of my tools and, you know, like my wingspan and my quickness, um, you know, people that have been following me for the past three years know that I've taken on the best defensive assignment every single game without having to drop off. I've guarded fours, threes, twos, ones. Jesus. Um, yeah. So, you know, going through that, and I think that kind of gets overlooked. And this past year, I think I'm after like 34 minutes a game or something like that. So Jesus. I'm doing all that. And then obviously, you know, from a scoring standpoint, like I'm, like, I'm still expected to kind of carry that load. And I think that's kind of what's separated me a lot. I feel like some, some guys, you know, kind of, may you know move on to a different assignments where they're not really chased around but you know I've, I've went games where i've guarded the primary ball handler through right numerous screens of possession and then you know come down score and now i'm guarding somebody coming up pin downs and guarding post-ups and exactly you know being out there like i can switch one through the four so you know i'll, I'll guard another big so i think that kind of gets overlooked mm-hmm. you know just kind of based on any kind of mistake i make going into the game but that's definitely something like I remember like BYU mm-hmm. <laughs> face garden Barcelo the whole right. game, you know, and still, right. you know, produce the offense. I think I had like 26, but I think that just kind of gets overlooked on kind of hard and compete defensively too. 
For sure. No, and, and you know, not that I'm comparing you to this player, but I feel like what you're describing is so <clears> true <throat> about about your game, but also like a guy like Johnny Davis, I think I feel like you guys had similar situations where you guys were expected to initiate so much to be like the anchors on offense. But then also we watch your games. We watch Johnny Davis. You guys are guarding the best player every single night, you know, and then people talk about like, Oh, but look at, you know, look at the shooting here. Look at the mistakes here. It's like, well, okay. You try carrying the offense and also guarding the best player every single night. I think that's an extremely diff- difficult thing to ask. And so, if anything, I think that speaks to, once again, the translatability of your game. Because what does the NBA care about right now? Right? Versatility. Mm-hmm. Teams want players who can not just play different roles on offense and do different things, but also defensively guard multiple positions, which I think is a great strength of you of yours. And on top of that, what I wanted to ask was, now you're entering the league, right? You're one step away. Draft is next week. A lot of times you hear people talk about the speed of the NBA, right? There's like an adjustment period to the speed, to the competition, stuff like that. I was wondering, is there anything that you're doing right now in training or workouts or whatever that's helping you prepare for that? Is there any sort of, sort of feel that you have for that different pace and feel to the game? You can't. Uh, I think, you know, like even the transition from it's obviously a smaller scale, but, you know, high school to college, like there's really not a lot you can do in adjusting for the speed because I forgot what the percentage is, but it's like you're in the top point zero zero one of athletes in the world. Right. So, you know, to be able to adjust to that, you're going to have to be able to play against them in that setting. But for me, it's just been getting in really good shape. Mm. Um, You know, I think that. You know, obviously adjusting and being exhausted is will make it a lot harder. But for me, just, you know, constantly being in shape to at least be able to go up and down and do that until I adjust. For sure. No, and I think that's a really good point. <laughs> one of the biggest differences is you're going from being a student athlete to just a straight on athlete. Right. So we talk about NBA conditioning, NBA dieting, NBA training regimens and all that stuff. I think that alone should be a huge support for you on that next level at I, obviously, I'm guessing I've never tried it, but I imagine that's got to be there as well. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. You're, you're just <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, it's, okay. So, this one is a question that I've been wanting to ask. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this. But obviously, for you, you've talked about this is your dream since you're, since you can remember, right? Something that I think is really interesting when you talk about like the discourse of the NBA draft and stuff like that. One of the oldest topics of debate has been what's better for a prospect, right? A rebuilding team where you get tons of playing time or a playoff team where you don't really get to play a lot, but you're in a winning situation. You play in the G league, like an example, right? This past year with the Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, they end up on the Warriors, play a little bit in the G league. They play a little bit in the regular season, stuff like that. So was wondering in your mind, what do you think not necessarily is a better option for you, but what do you think is a better option overall, or does it kind of depend on player and team? Um, this is a question. This is the first time I've gotten that question, but I've talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of, with, you know, other, you know, the G league is just, that's just a realistic thing for everybody. You can be a number one pick and that can be right. Um, yeah. It, honestly, both have the same kind of reward. I think it's experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, uh, you're getting a different experience if you're on Golden State this year than you would somebody where you take Cade, as an example, right. where you're probably playing 100 minutes and mm-hmm. getting a lot of reps that way. But um, Jalen Green, yeah. 
Yeah, I think both have their their ups. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, for Cade, I'm just using him as an example. He's just right. first in my head. But, you know, for him to be able to get all the reps as a rookie and, you know, be able to make mistakes and figure it out that way is obviously that's kind of the ideal situation you want. Obviously, they weren't winning how they would like to win. But just for right. him to even understand how to win and things that he needs to do in the offseason to change is big. Mm-hmm. And then, but at the same token, you know, you go to Golden State and you know how to win at a championship level. Obviously, right. you haven't been able to get the reps, but you're still around. For sure. Championship level caliber team. And then you probably would be getting reps in the G League. So you're still obviously playing basketball at that pace. But they both have their their ups, their pros, and their cons. But I don't think right. there's really a right, a right set to go. For sure. Like, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's a matter of experience, but you're getting kind of two different experiences, right? Exactly. Two, two totally different ends right. of the spectrum, but it's experience. Nonetheless. For sure. For sure. And I love the examples that you use, right? Like for Cade, Cade played a ton for Detroit. And the funniest thing that I absolutely thought was so hilarious beginning of the season, he's playing a ton for the Pistons and people are like, uh, are, are we sure this guy should have went number one? And it's like, all right, everybody relax. Like he's yeah, a does. rookie. He needs time. There's adjustment. And then he ended up being freaking awesome, right? And then, as you mentioned, right, Moody and Kaminga, they didn't get to play as much, but they watched Clay do it and Draymond and Steph and all these guys. So I, I think you're right. I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. But ultimately for you, Jalen, I, I, I imagine wherever you end up, you're just you're probably just looking for that same experience, right? Yeah. However, however I get it is however it happens, Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. You go play in the G League. I'll go play in the G. If you need me to come play forty a night, I'll come do it. So I'm I'm in that zone to just kind of be prepared for whatever. So for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, so this is obviously not as intense, but something that I that I wanted to ask because I'm curious about the process. Right? Um, you're doing meetings, dinners, workouts, trainings, all that stuff. Is there ever any? Because like I just imagine it must be so overwhelming to go through all this and you're experiencing a lot you ever find any free time to do stuff to kind of help you decompress and relax and if you do which i imagine isn't a lot what are some of the things that you're doing in that free time uh melatonin and go to bed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah uh it's honestly hard to really even like like i said like when you go from flight to flight workout to workout it's actually and i found out the hard way it's hard to really figure out instead of a distinct time to be able to really rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I did get like a day to really kind of just completely chill, like I didn't really move, mm-hmm. got a lot of rehab and did a lot of stuff like that and tried to chill out and not, you know, kind of stay off my feet and just get ready for the next day. And just, you know, I called my friends, talked to them and I try and just, you know, talk to my parents. That usually takes my mind off a lot of other stuff and just be able to chop it up and not even talk about basketball. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, like I said, it's melatonin and, and sleep. You know, whenever I get get back to the hotel, there's a bunch of other stuff that might pop up throughout the day. So try and get right. naps. Right. Yeah. And then you have uh, random guys like me hitting you up for an interview when you're trying to. Yeah. Relax, no, so. this is the easy part. This is, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. And now, okay. So we're kind of wrapping up here, but um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask, and this is me just like being a weirdo, just wanting to wondering what happens. So you go to work out for all these teams and they give you all this team gear, right? You go work out for the Spurs and you're getting a Spurs shirt. You go to the, the Thunder, they give you a Thunder shirt. So this is such a stupid question, but I really, I really wanted to ask, what happens to all that gear after the workout? Are you, you giving it back? You're taking it home. You're framing it. What, what is that process like? Um, 
that's a really okay. You you two two on the questions that <laughs> I haven't been asked yet. Um, yeah, so that usually some teams will take their jersey back, okay, just because it makes no sense to keep him out of yeah. the jersey. But other teams, you know, they kind of just let us rock. But I've taken all my gear back home. I actually just washed it all today. Like I finally was able to wash it. So they all were in these bags that smell terrible because <laughs> I just worked out in them and they were in my bag for ten days. Right. Oh my god. So I just brought them all back and washed them. But um, yeah, you just keep them. I just give them to people, honestly, because you don't know where you're going to land. So, you know, you don't want to keep right. them on the shirt and you're going to go to the Spurs or, you know, yeah. have, wear, walk around wearing Denver stuff and right. you go to Charlotte. So it's just, you know, you try and try to keep it low key, but I give like the jersey and stuff to my mom. Like I try to keep like the name tags and stuff with my, you know, just like kind of timeless little stuff that I think would be cool. For sure, for sure. I, I look. I just want to say, I think it's really interesting. You mentioned Charlotte; they've got two first-round picks. I think, you know, I think that would be a great situation for you. Just want to throw that out there. But uh, last question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I said I named a lot of first rounds in my. Got to be strategic, right? Um, last one for me, and this is for me coming as like a big sneaker collector, and I've, sneakers have been a big part of my life. So, just wanted to ask. Uh, what are what are the shoes you're hooping in right now? What what, what are your go tos? Uh, I'll be playing Kobe's. Um, there you go. So you will very rarely see me in something that wasn't a Kobe this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, what did I play? I played in. What did I, play? I played in the Grinches a lot. Ooh, the sixes. Yeah, so I played in the sixes a ton, and then I played in the uh, Bruce Lee uh, Kobe fives, the yellow right. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I have the Kobe and the Bruce Lee chat, so that was that was strategic as well. That's dope. But I have a bunch of Kobe's that I have like the what the what the Kobe eights that ripped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a little more nice. cautious wearing them. Uh, <laughs> I've been wearing the Adapts mm-hmm. and uh, Kyrie's. I think those two are the closest to to um, to playing in Kobe's. But um, no, yeah, for sure, my nice shoes too. Okay. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, Kyrie, you know, his connection with Kobe and a lot of Kobe inspiration and issues. So I totally get that. Hey, man, just want to say once again, this has been so fun for me and to have you on. It's been excellent. Uh, just before we go, is there anything you want to say to our listeners, our followers out there uh, before we, we uh, cut it here? Nah, just tune in Thursday. Um, <laughs> appreciate everybody that's kind of been along for the ride and supporting. So I appreciate you guys. I uh, appreciate you having me on, taking the time to do this. So. Um, yeah, but just tune in Thursday and uh, see what happens because I don't know what's happening either. So, <laughs> for sure, and uh, dude, I just want to say, you know, at No Ceilings, you've we've had a lot of guys at our site that have been big fans of yours, and we've been kind of on the hype train from day one. And I got to write about you recently. So, for all our listeners out there, if you want to learn more about Jalen Williams' game, I broke down. I I called him the gear shifter. I talked about his manipulation of you know pick and roll and how he plays at his pace only. So, if you're interested, check that out obviously check out the draft on Thursday night. We're, we're going to be doing a live stream. We just announced yesterday that it will be presented by NBA Top Shot, our first sponsor. So that's going to be awesome as well. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you check out Jalen Williams getting drafted in the first round. And once again, brother, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Appreciate it.